0: Welcome to this episode of The Syllable of Recorded Time. I'm your host today, Katie Clemens, with Mona Eldashuri, Kim Sebright-Martin, Sarah Hendrickson, and Alexis Black as my guests today. Welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having us.
1: Happy to be
2: here. Thank you for prosing this as an option to us. (laughs) We'll
0: hear lots of puns today from Alexis. Nope. Nope. The (laughs) queen of them. Um, I wanted to bring these wonderful women on here with me today to do a fun little exercise that I saw actually on TikTok. It's this guy who does blind rankings. And what he does is he brings a friend on with him and then he just gives them like, okay, today we're going to rank nickelodeon characters and then he says five random characters and that person has to rank one at a time who they like and then by the fifth person it could be like their favorite person but they've already given the number one spot so it's just like chaotic ranking and i just thought that would be a fun thing to do with five women of shakespeare by women ranking women in a fun way um, non-judgmental way it's just a fun experiment to see what happens. So that's what we're going to do today. So on that note, I did create, I thought to help us a little bit, just a little bit of criteria for our ranking system. So what I came up with was five different things. So the complexity of the characterization. So when you're thinking of these characters, consider the depth and complexity of these characters Do the women have a well-developed personality with layers? Um, Do the characters undergo significant development or have conflicting traits often make them compelling characters or memorable figures in the shows? The next category will be agency and independence. We'll look at how much agency these characters have. Are they independent characters? Do they actively shape their own destiny? Or are they driven by men? Which happens a lot in Shakespeare, as we know. I was saying earlier, I was going to ask you all to rank them by Brechtel test. And not a single one of them passes. Yay. Yay, Shakespeare! And then after that is impact on the plot. How much... Does this character impact the plot overall? Does she play a central role in the story influencing events and characters um, who contribute significantly to the plot development? Are they often considered more impactful? And the fourth category would be resilience and strength. We're going to consider the character's resilience and strength in the face of challenges. Does she exhibit emotional or moral strength or adversity? Characters who demonstrate resilience and courage can be admired for their ability to face difficulties head on. And then the last thing is relevance to the themes. We're going to examine how the characters contribute to the exploration of themes within the play. Does she embody or challenge societal norms and expectations? And do the characters who engage with and shed light on important themes may be considered more thought-provoking and relevant? or maybe not. So we're going to explore that. And before we go on to our first person who's about to pop up on the screen, I want to say this is for everyone listening, a wide variety of knowledge in this group. We have some people who know uh, nothing at all. That would be me. I don't know too much about them. I know some of them um, from what I've learned in class. Um, And then we have some like extreme experts in the room too. So you'll hear a different variety of answers from people. So on that note, are you guys ready to blind rank the women of Shakespeare? Yeah, I've been waiting my whole life for this.
2: <laughs> is one the best and five is the is the not best? Wait, don't yes. tell us. Uh, yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> so you're
0: ordering <laughs> them. Wait, so ordering them one to five, but you'll only see them one at a time. Wait, wait so, so what we, was it? One's the best. One's the best. Five's right. the still awesome, but just may not compare to the other ladies we are looking at so just remember the hard part about this is you're like oh but what if someone better is coming so there's like kind of that all right Uh, you guys ready to go and start with the first person okay
2: shake this spear
0: yeah so for each person i'll introduce them what play they're from and read a description and then we will discuss these five criteria okay the first person Beatrice from Much Ado About Nothing I chose Beatrice for this ranking because one of our people that we're speaking with today Kim C. Martin is currently in this show Alexis worked on the show I've been in the show as well I love this character and I uh, just think she's a good one to start with so Beatrice is, as I said, from much ado about nothing. She's considered sharp-witted, an independent woman, the cousin of Hero. Beatrice engages in a merry war of words with Benedict, another prominent character in the play. Despite their witty banter and apparent disdain for each other, it becomes evident that there is an underlying attraction between Beatrice and Benedict. The play revolves around the themes of love, deception, and misunderstandings, Beatrice and Benedict's relationship adds a comedic element to the plot, especially when their friends conspire to make them realize their true feelings for each other. Ultimately, Beatrice and Benedict undergo personal growth and come to understand the depth of their emotions. So, starting with complexity of characterization... What do you guys all think about Beatrice? You know, yeah. as
2: a performer, I would find this character really complex to portray because there is the the varying styles of the the high comedy that this character tends to be in physical comedy, and then the um the really serious scene where she asks Benedict to to kill Claudio, kill Claudio, using those K sounds to be powerful. And someone who I think has a little bit of status for a woman of her time in this um war-torn space and like talks right to the to Don Pedro a lot and things like that has seems to have some influence. So I think that there's complexity there.
1: Absolutely. I, I've always taken her as like one of the wittiest uh, female characters that Shakespeare has written. So like and arguably one of like the quickest and like terrible things don't happen to her either. So like that's also nice because that tends to happen with other witty women in Shakespeare. But yeah, 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 definitely a complex character more than just your average damsel.
2: She has the qualities of Kate in Taming of the Shrew in some ways but then isn't punished for them like still is able to live her life and not really find love on her own terms but um yeah it's with someone who actually might be a good match for her unlike I think in Taming of the Shrew but
0: yeah totally and I think she even though like you said doesn't find love on her own terms in the end they have that little argument and do choose each other so is it, that's still The little bit of possibly she could have walked away, but chose not to, I guess, of her own free will a little bit.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, I also love the thing about much ado about nothing with Beatrice and Benedict is like the mystery of what happened before the play, too. Mm -hmm. I think that adds to the complexity of the character because the actors get to decide together, like, what is our history? Like, what did happen before? Why didn't it work out? You know, and that just adds a lot more of, I don't know, we've all been in relationships, I feel like, that didn't work out, like, the on and on and off thing, right? And it's like, wow, that's been happening
3: forever. Yeah, I was just going to say that, like, thinking of the word complex and thinking, or complexity, and thinking about um, Beatrice, like, she has a, she has, like, a defense to love, right? Like, there's a defense throughout the play about, no, I don't love him, no, I don't love him, oh, man, and then that struggle, that inner struggle within the character, I think that would be the top, like the toppest layer of complexity for her to, the actor, whoever's portraying that character to maneuver through and figure out what that balance is, because at the end of the play, she ends up being with Benedict, right? So there is that, that journey of, or that complication of, oh, I'm not have this defensive love, but at the end of it, so that, that complexity, I feel is really important.
0: Moving on to the next category of agency and independence, I think almost of every female character, she probably has the most independence or feels like she's independent. She has a lot of her own thoughts and doesn't allow them to stop her Um, and says what she thinks and feels and doesn't let the Societal norms of women at that time stop her, whereas I think Hero is stopped a little bit more.
2: I also think she's in a situation in the play because the men are away at war and coming in and out of the town or wherever this might be set in a certain concept. That agency might be partially due to the circumstances of, you know, like the Rosie the Riveter effect, at least in Shakespeare's time, that might have been perceived that way but I think with the version that's being done here you know you can you can easily interpret her as the head of the nurses or head of you know like you can give her power and agency in that space I don't know if it's um, explicitly written in
1: I don't think it's written in I think there's she's given also like a certain amount of independence I think also because like she doesn't have a parental figure like actively watching over her like hero does so I think that gives her a little bit of Freedom, because she's not as like tied to a family
3: unit there's also like an element of um care that she holds which to me says like agency in that care and in that role like Alexa said like she's kind of forced into these roles without a parent without this but she's she's come out of it as a stronger character yeah in society at that time
4: i was um expressly told that we would not be talking intelligently about this. <laughs> you say whatever <laughs> your heart wants to say. <laughs> I here's the deal. I love a person that can will be easily influenced by their friends. I think it's adorable. I it just kind of brings me back to like the I I like the 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 stripping away of the like of the strength. And being, uh, listening to the, her friends like be cute about stuff and like wanting to believe that those things might be true. And that kind of goes back to like the, oh, me on the playground? Like what? Oh my God. Okay. And that, <laughs> I enjoy that part of it. I think it's just really sweet. I think that that lends itself to the, to some of the sweeter aspects of the, of the play. I'd
0: say overall, she has a pretty decent impact on the plot or if anything, the plot revolves around her what do you all say
2: um i expressly dis- disagree i think that the Watchmen and dogberry are the actual core of the show um <laughs> they use their their spatulas and um brooms <laughs> to cook up and sweep up all of the plots uh together and um we shouldn't be talking about beatrice we should be talking about them
0: you're right they are <laughs> the best part of the show um arguably so I agree. So we'll just move on from plot. <laughs> what about uh, resilience and strength? Do we think she's a strong character? Do we think she is resilient in her own way?
3: Yeah, I think in that moment where she talks to Benedict about everything and says, hey, you need, you need to, like, there's an action. There's a call to action there. So I think that definitely a really strong moment for her to, that proves her resiliency because that's after so many things have already happened. Even until the end, once she finds out, like, everything is when everything is resolved there's still that okay but that Mm -hmm. resiliency it was always hovering over a um a cloud of resiliency throughout
1: i go back and forth between um is it resilience or is it stubbornness um i think either could be argued or either but no it's definitely a resilient character but i think a part of that does stem from the stubbornness that she has and that's another
3: layer of
0: complexity for her character and i feel like there's Tends to be such a fine line between stubborn and resilient. And you have to see which way of the line you walk to and which way Beatrice walks. Um, and the last category is relevance to theme. Is she relevant to the theme? The themes of love, deception, and misunderstandings.
2: Heck yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. See, now you've put us in a position.
0: What position? Tell me.
2: I'm just saying lots of nice things about this character and you put them first. Okay. <laughs> sure. And now we're doing a blind ranking.
0: Uh Yeah, that's the who of it. Okay, well then on that note, is there anything not so magnificent that you'd want to bring to light about Beatrice that may affect her ranking that you can think of? You know, the
4: the person in me that likes to uh, go against the grain is really wanting to put her at a five. Just because I don't like people that are so obviously awesome, it's suspicious to me. I'm going to go back uh, to her character and we're going, I'm going after Emma Thompson right now because (gasps) that's understandable. Okay. I just want to bring something up for those of us that have all seen love actually. And the necklace betrayal, if she's so freaking independent and has agency and all, and you know what I mean? Like, I don't know why she puts up with that. I'm just saying
2: I completely agree. And obviously she loses her mind because we see her in Harry Potter
4: mm-hmm. as,
2: you know, she needs thick glasses. She has like really crazy hair. She, you know, supposedly can tell the future, but
4: is she, does she have an accent or not? I don't trust her. I don't trust her. She's five. So we don't trust
0: Beatrice because she was portrayed by Emma Thompson, who may yeah. or may not be an issue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or is it that Beatrice is so good that we had to go for the actress playing Beatrice? One through five, where does Beatrice fall?
2: I'm going with
1: two. I'm going I'm gonna with give three. My, yeah, I was going to give myself room and say three. Alexis has
0: Beatrice at a two. Sarah has Beatrice at a five. Yeah. And Mona and Kim are both at threes. Yeah.
1: Excellent.
4: Let's just Great. yeah, let's let's um throw some marbles in a jar and kick it down the stairs. Yes. I like it. Okay, That's yeah. Fun. Okay. So you I, all have yeah. your rankings. All right. All right. Up next, we have
0: Cleopatra. Cleopatra, known as Antony and Cleopatra, is the central character and the queen of Egypt. The play explores the tumultuous relationship between Cleopatra and Mark Antony. Cleopatra is portrayed as a complex and charismatic figure known for her intelligence, charm and political prowess. Throughout the play, Cleopatra's character undergoes various emotional and political challenges. Her passionate love affair with Antony is a significant focus, and their relationship is central to the unfolding events. Cleopatra is depicted as a woman of great allure, capable of manipulating Antony with her charm, yet also deeply, deeply in love with him. Cleopatra's character is multifaceted, and Shakespeare presents her with a blend of qualities, including moments of wit, playfulness, and intense emotions. Her actions and decisions contribute to the large themes of power, politics, and the personal cost of ambition. The play covers historical events, including the Battle of Akatum and the eventual downfall of Antony and Cleopatra. Cleopatra's decision to take her own life after Antony's death is a poignant and dramatic moment in the play. Cleopatra's character is a rich and captivating exploration of the complexities of love, power, and human nature in Shakespeare's tragic portrayal of this historical couple. So yeah, Cleopatra, complexity of characterization. I mean, I'd say she's pretty complex. She's known to be, I don't want to say emotional because I kind of hate that word and that phrasing. Like, oh, she's so emotional. But she has a wide variety that she expresses in quick succession, almost like she's a great emotional flipper might be a maybe, way to say that
4: maybe she's oh. on her
0: period <laughs> <laughs> could be the entire show <laughs>
3: i'm dead yeah, if she were a
2: man she would be driven but since she's a woman she's bossy
3: mm-hmm. yeah yeah emotional
2: yep
1: yeah well and i and when I'm you free. say emotional are you i don't want to speak for you but do you mean more of like She's acts more on her emotions than like logic.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, she's driven by emotion and she's, I want to say quick to emotion. She is quick to feel many
4: different
2: things in succession.
4: And she's eaten an entire pint of ice cream.
2: <laughs> I have never seen a production of this, uh, actually, somehow. Uh, I do know something about Cleopatra and her use of bees. Does anyone else know what I'm talking about? Because I don't think I should say it out loud. Bees? I know
0: the snakes, but I don't know if I know the bees. You can say it. Are they at her knees?
2: Let's just say that um, she enjoyed alone time and uh, used glass glass instruments with bees in them. That's all I'll say.
4: So smart. And,
2: yeah. And in, invited oh, wow. um, invented something that is still used to this day, perhaps
4: wow good for her i don't think that's in this show does that fall under independence (laughs) i'd say yes Yes,
0: that's That's, that's the buzz that yes i'd say that's definitely independence um i mean she runs her own country so i'd say that's pretty independent of her though is she too dependent on a man
1: though trust any woman who takes her life for a man Exactly. Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. She chooses to commit. Well, I'm torn on that, only because she does choose to take her life post Antony's death, but also, so is it Octavia? Octavia Octavian. Yes, yes. say
2: yes since we Octavian,
0: yes. She chooses to take her life, so he doesn't take her life because he was gonna take her prisoner and string her up. So it's kind of like a catch-22 of she does it because her lover died, but also. So she can do it on her own accord.
2: Uh, I'm giving I'm am giving her a three a three. Interesting,
0: Mona. I'd love to hear some from you too because you and I both worked on this character in class this semester. Oh man, I
3: love her, but I also hate her because you know a lot of death happened because of her, mm-hmm. her um, ruling. But I just want to jump back to the word emotional and the the variety of emotions that she had. I think that's what makes her character so complex and so <clears throat> multi layered because she did switch from this and that and that and that and I think that's what people like about her so much is because she's so human in that sense there's this, like you know there's the idea of like thinking or acting on logic and acting on emotion and she did it based on emotion right and I think that I don't know I feel like that is something so captivating in a character but at the same time before Octavia decided he was going to kill her She had already made the plan to kill herself. But it wasn't a, oh, I want to be with Antony. No, no, no. It's, hey, let's make death proud to take us, Mm -hmm. right? There's a pride there. There's a driven motive and deliberate intent of my partner is there. Therefore, I will go there with him. Uh, With an ego and with stubborn. Again, the word stubborn. (laughs) Stubborn. i think from
2: her i'm switching to a one.
3: Ooh, i like it all right so where is
0: she falling on everybody's scale so alexis has her at a one i rolled a dice and it came to three i'm gonna go with one
3: only because she's egyptian and i'm egyptian
1: Hell yeah (laughs) let's go with uh with a two she was a grand leader after all
3: awesome
0: i love it all right i would say this out loud but i don't remember your guys's rankings so i'll have you all relist your ranking at the end of the episode All right. Moving on. Juliet. We all know her. Juliet is one of the main protagonists in Romeo and Juliet. She's a young woman, only 13 years old or 14. Kim, she 13 or 14.
1: She's two weeks away from her 14th birthday.
0: Kim has played Juliet, I believe, multiple times at 13 years old, almost 14, at the beginning of the play, she hails from the Capulet family. Juliet's character is known for her youthfulness, passion, and idealism. The play revolves around the intense and forbidden love affair between Juliet and Romeo Montague, a young man from the rival Montague family. Despite the emininity between these families, Juliet and Romeo fall deeply in love and marry in secret. The tragic narrative unfolds as their love faces numerous challenges, including the long standing feud between the Capulets and the Montagues. The play explores themes of love, fate, and the consequences of societal conflict. Juliet's character undergoes significant development and matures rapidly as she grapples with the complexity of her emotions and the harsh realities of her world. The story ultimately ends in tragedies with the deaths of Romeo and Juliet, but their love and the play itself have in- endured as iconic slightly questionable symbols in literature and drama
4: so juliet what are we thinking i don't know if there's any one more complex than a teenage girl
1: mm-hmm. and like fre- like a fresh teenage girl right she's only yeah. 13 years old
4: yeah and she's like i've got so many things happening in my body and my brain right now. And like not many of them have been even remotely decided upon yet. So I'm just imagining just layers and layers of questions and desires and all of the things that make us interesting humans. And there's just so many of them because she has no idea who she is yet. Everything's she's- all
2: centered around her and the, the relationship with the man. Like, does she play the cello? I don't know.
1: But at like, at the same time, was she ever given the opportunity to learn the cello? You know, (laughs) at 13, that's a decision your parents make, not you.
2: But at 13, you're like halfway to death in that time period, like... You're like middle-aged. Good
1: point. I, I definitely like relate to her as like the angsty teen. It's basically just like her parents are like, by the way, we decided your whole life for you. And all of a sudden she's like, wait, I have the opportunity to make my own decisions. I'm going to do that.
4: That's the case. If I looked back at, at my teen years, I would hope that that's what I would have been. But I'm pretty sure I was just like eating Oreos in a basement.
0: And I do think she's become, I mean, that symbol of what people want in love, kind of like every teenager wants that Romeo and Juliet story, which then, of course, I'm like, could you read it? It doesn't end well. You know, she she does. She has that. Star-crossed lover, look in her eye, and she wants to find that love, and she does, which is great. Bonus point: it's teenage love. Will it last? If they lived, who's to say? It's
1: interesting because I I go back to this story, and like so many people talk about it, like that Romeo and Juliet is a love story, but I mean, really, Romeo and Juliet is this story of the conflict right between that the two families are creating, and look what that conflict can destroy, right? This beautiful young love between these two star-crossed lovers, right? Yeah, she's she's a product of, or like her demise is the product of her environment, right? More than, so like I don't, and granted, like, again, I've had to deal a lot with like with this character, but I really don't like judge her for the decisions that she makes because I think she's she's taking all of the agency that she has been allowed to have at this point, which is pretty impressive for a 13-year-old. And I also, I also
3: think that, like, if remove the conflict between the family names, would that have made her love weaker for Romeo? More? You know what I mean? It's exactly what you just said, Kim. Like, it's it's her, her, dem- her demis, is that what you said? Demis is from the environment that she's in, the circumstances
1: that happen.
2: I think she falls in love with him before she knows what his name is.
1: Right, Mm -hmm. my only love sprung from my only hate.
2: Finds finds out after the fact.
4: I just had a crazy thought. Hear me out. Have you guys seen West Side Story?
3: Yes, heard
4: of it. Yes, it's kind of it's kind of like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're right. Very similar. Very similar. I wonder.
1: Guys, have you seen this this movie called Gnomeo and Juliet?
0: <laughs> yes, and I'm obsessed. Don't get me started on
2: my love with that movie.
0: Where do you rank Juliet, everyone? Alexis.
2: I'm going with a five.
0: Ooh, throwing her down. Sarah. You too.
3: I'm also going to go with a two because she's
1: 13. I believe that children are the future, so I'm going with number one. Oh, Ooh. dang, I Don't
2: feel I bad you.
0: now. Hey, everyone has their thoughts and opinions, and that's okay. Up yeah. next, we've got Lady Macbeth. Lady Macbeth is a character in William Shakespeare's play Macbeth. She is the wife of the play's main character, and she is a complex and ambitious character who plays a significant role in the unfolding of the tragic events in the play. In the beginning, Lady Macbeth is depicted as a strong and determined woman who urges her husband to pursue his ambitions and seize the throne. She is instrumental in persuading Macbeth to commit regicide, the murder of King Duncan, to fulfill the witch's prophecies. Lady Macbeth is known for her famous soliloquy in Act 1, Scene 5, where she calls on spirits to unsex her and fill her with cruelty so that she can carry out the murderous plans. As the play progresses, Lady Macbeth's mental state deteriorates. She is haunted by guilt and becomes consumed by the consequences of her action. Her character reflects the psychological toll of ambition and the moral decay that occurs as a result of unchecked ambition. Lady Macbeth's sleepwalking scene in Act 5, Scene 1, is a poignant representation of her internal struggles and guilt. Lady Macbeth's character is one of the most memorable and complex figures in Shakespearean tragedy, illustrating themes of ambition, guilt, and the corruption of the influence of power. Thoughts on Lady Macbeth, or Lady Mackers, Miss Mackers, as we like to call her in class?
2: Lady McNugget, Lady MacGyver.
4: We got to be careful, Katie, Katie, you're in the theater building, right? (gasps) Yeah. You Uh said nine
2: times. I counted nine times. I love the complexity and strength of this character in that she uses her husband like a puppet and then she's like, oh crap, my puppet killed someone. And then she like goes insane because of her conscience, like mm. not really realizing what it would feel like to be on the other side of that and then like us seeing the complexity of someone who did something purposefully thinking they would feel one way and then having the complete opposite reaction on the other side is like really really cool and would be very complex to portray um as an actor i've not had the pleasure but i i i do feel drawn to this character in that way and not when she's played as this like maniacal like one-sided person but like when they do dig into that complexity
0: yeah I think that's one of the beauties of this character is that the quality she portrays after what she's done and you really see that beauty of guilt almost and reflection and it's so nice because I don't think we always see that depth in a female character in Shakespeare plays. And I think she's one of the few that we actually do see true depth in. She's
1: going to say that, like, I don't, I have complex thoughts about Lady Macbeth. Um, I don't, I, I do think she can be, and she is a really interesting character to play, but like, When I think of her, I think it boils down to of like, like, girl, this is what happens when you try to push your romantic partner into things that they shouldn't be doing Um, or things that are beyond them. I don't know. I just I guess I can't get past like, yes, she has this overwhelming ambition, but that it's like not for herself. It's like for someone else, which Mm -hmm. is Interesting. I think at
2: that time, the only way you could further yourself as a woman was through your partner.
1: If you look at her text, she never says, so I can be great. She never talks about what she gets out of this. She Mm -hmm. only ever says, like, think about how great you can be. And so it's interesting to think about what the answer for that is for her of like, what will this do for me if you do this? Like, I don't I don't understand her. Her objective, I guess, for lack of a better
0: word. But what a great inner monologue and subtext to create for this character that you just said there, this beautiful, rich ability to create that and create this internal world of what do I get out of this and then seeing it all crumble before her. I mean, I think such a powerful actor could really push that forward on stage.
4: I'm fascinated by all of your psychology. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's that's a whole different
4: podcast episode. No, I so know. I think it's yeah. an interesting tool um to use to really <laughs> I don't know, like you know, Shakespeare's like, oh I got all of this stuff I need to get out that you know what? You just talk in your, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I I oh when I when I walk in my sleep, I eat a block of cheddar cheese. So
3: I don't know. I think that she, her motivation, Lady Macbeth's motivation is greed and the power of greed. She wants more and more and more and more. And that is, I think that is a reflection on the human struggle of when is enough. That's how I take Lady Macbeth. It's like, why was she, why is she who she is and what can we as other women like learn from her? And I'm like, Oh, it's that balance of, okay, this is enough. We don't need to have more. When do you, where's that line that you cross? All right, Alexis, ranking, where do you fall?
2: I'm going to go with three. Three. Sarah. Right up the middle.
4: Ugh, I'm at a one or a four. Mm. Ooh. Well, just so, because there's my only two left.
2: <laughs> I thought it was very deep discussion in your mind. <laughs>
4: Oh, I'm still thinking about cheese. I am going to go. Oh, man. It's so hard to put all the eggs in the basket. I I want to say one. I think I'm going to go four. Oh, interesting. Because, because I will be so mad if one is awesome and then I have to put a one in a four spot.
3: That's fair. That's fair. I'm going to go with uh, five because I have more hope for number four for the next person.
1: I'm going to go with four because I believe I only have four or five left.
0: All right. You guys ready for our final person? Yes. Great. Ooh. Our final person.
3: Yes.
0: Kind of a left fielder is Desdemona from Othello. Oh, oh. Wow. oh okay. Uh, yeah, I threw in a okay. random row in there. Ooh. But Desdemona is a character in William Shakespeare's play Othello. She's the wife of the play's tragic hero Othello, a Moorish general in the Venetian army. Desdemona is a virtuous and loyal woman, and her marriage to Othello is a central element of the play. Desdemona is introduced as a noble and gentle character, and her love for Othello is genuine. Despite the societal <laughs> pressures and racism she faces due to her marriage to a Moor, Desdemona remains devoted to Othello. The play explores themes of jealousy, betrayal, and the destructive nature of unfound suspicions. One of the pivotal aspects of Othello is the manipulation and deception orchestrated by the villainous character Iago, Othello's sidekick.
4: Iago's (laughs) (laughs) leads
0: lead Othello to believe falsely that Desdemona has been unfaithful, and this misunderstanding becomes a tragic turning point in the story. Desdemona's tragic fate is sealed as Othello's jealousy and suspicion intensifies, ultimately leading her to her death. Her character serves as a poignant representation of innocence, victimhood in the face of deception and destructive emotions. Desdemona's story is a tragic element in the larger tragedy of Othello. Take it away on our thoughts on Desdemona. Have you guys seen Disney's Aladdin?
3: <laughs>
4: yes. <laughs> yes. Three more. <laughs> There's a, um, it's so weird. There's a character in it called Iago. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a uh, he, well. He's a he's a villainous bird.
2: I think uh, that that movie is a just a parody of um the other. Show.
1: Agreed, Kim. What are your thoughts on Desdemona? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a movie or a filmed production of Othello, and then um, when I was teaching, there was a a group uh, a pairing who did do who did teach Othello but it was actually um, a black woman and a white man. And it makes you um, see it a little differently because right, because she initially like, you know, we're talking, uh, one of the elements being agency. I know we've gotten away from that a little bit, but you know, she does decide to marry him and keeps it a secret from her father, I believe. So like she has enough agency to make her own decision of who she's going to marry. Um, which is interesting. I know, like, she's just such a tragic character. Like, poor girl did nothing wrong except try to be nice. Yeah, she There's was just nice le- and in love. Yeah, like, I guess the lesson to learn from Desdemona is, like, <laughs> don't be nice if your husband seems
2: like a jealous type. And cut breathing holes in your pillows. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, when I've seen this depicted, it's a straight up Strangulation.
2: Ah, they didn't. And I've only ever seen it as her being smothered with a pillow, which is really, really sad. I mean, it like kind of depicts like the woman's role at the time of you know mm-hmm. being a bedfellow of the man and like the softness of it yet the destructive element of it but i've only seen a few productions either way yeah being smothered out of existence like not having a voice not having anything um she definitely has the agency and the complexity to do what she did at that time period right and then kind of just, like, doesn't talk much towards the end of the play, and then it's just bye bye so. Yeah, she's
0: manipulated very quickly, it feels like. She she feels like a pawn a little bit. She's just truly a pawn in this story, which is just the saddest part. I'm so glad I
4: saved my one for her. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was, like,
0: going, oh, no, Sarah, you don't know who the last person
4: is. <laughs> I <would> regret nothing.
3: <laughs> I don't. I, I. I've only watched It's little Once, and I remember when I saw Desdemona's character, I was like, it takes a lot of courage to and strength to be with someone that's so different appearing than what society wants you to do. So I think there's strength in that. That's all I have to say about Desdemona.
0: Alexis, give me your full ranking list.
2: I will. Would you like it from five to one or one to five? Ooh, five to
0: one. I like All that. right,
2: so we're starting out at the low end with Juliet at a five. Then we got Desdemona at a four. Got Lady M at a three. Beatrice coming in strong with Much Ado number two. And Cleopatra, one.
4: Love it. Sarah, what's your ranking? Okay, Beatrice is a hot five. Uh, let's see, Lady B. Macb- is um a tight four uh cleopatra is um a smooth three juliet is a young ass two, (laughs) and then desdemona number
3: one number one
0: i love it stick to your guns mona what's (laughs) your
3: ranking all right so i had um one cleopatra two juliet because she's so young Three, Beatrice, four, Desdemona, and five, Lady Macbeth. Fantastic. Kim, last but
0: very much not least, what's your rating? Right.
1: Let's see if I remember. So I believe uh, Desdemona was number five. Uh, Lady Macbeth was number four. Beatrice came in at number three. Cleopatra came in at number two. And number one is
0: Juliet. So I think overall our discovery here is, I mean, our lists are all so different. Your guys created such a cool, unique list that all of these women are complex and they're just (laughs) wonderful, complex, independent, and there's just no way to fully rank them. But there is a way to have fun chaos ranking them. And we did it. So thank you so much for joining me today, you all. I appreciate it. And I'm so
2: glad we did it.
1: Thank you so much for thank having you, us, Katie. Yes, thank thank you, you for having
2: us. This podcast will be top rated, you know. Yeah, hey, sure hey I you guys,
4: I, yes. I'm, I'm so sorry I was here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you for listening to syllable of recorded talking for more information about this program and other exciting events please visit michigan state university's department of
3: theater at theater.msu.edu